This is January 7th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and things haven't been super great of late for the Bruins. Uh, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. You're listening to this Tuesday morning, or whenever you might be listening to this. Um, and this week I had on Connor Ryan at Boston Sports Journal. You all know Connor at this point. He's a tremendous, tremendous Bruins writer. Um, and we, we focus on the current Bruins at the end, uh, and the, the, the current things that are affecting them, aka scoring, which has been a big issue of late. Um, uh, but we start to the first half of the podcast. Um, we draw some themes that came from the Patriots loss and we apply them to things that are going to impact the Bruins. So Tom Brady may retire, may not be in New England anymore. He's 42. Oh, funny. The Bruins actually have their own 42-year-old uh, star who's soon to be 43. I wonder what the future of him is with the Bruins. Um, and then, you know, I sent out a tweet uh, Monday afternoon on um, the Bruins potentially being the next team in line for a championship. So we get into all that. Uh, before we get into the podcast, though, I want to tell you about my good friends over at betonline.ag. Football playoff races are heating up, and you can follow all the action at betonline.ag as your favorite team makes their way to the end of the regular season. It's all about playoffs and draft picks this week, and betonline.ag is there for you during all the postseason drama. Up-to-date information, including odds and lines, every spread, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the, the postseason. Uh, before the next kickoff, head over to BetOnline to receive your 50% welcome bonus, and be sure to use my promo code, CLNS50 to take advantage of our great offer today. Again, promo code CLNS50. Bring the game home with betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Not much, man. What's going on with you? Not as much as you had on Saturday. You had quite the day. Uh, I covered the, that Bruins game. Uh, it was at one. You were there with me, and then you and Ty hauled ass over to Gillette Stadium to cover that terrible Patriots game. Uh, but yeah, you were there, and you were yeah. there till 4.30 in the morning, you were telling me? Yeah, I got, we got back, uh, you know, we're there, obviously where it's an eight o'clock game, you're there, and especially once the Patriots lose the season, there's so much more kind of, you know, housekeeping to do more or less in terms of wrapping up a game like that. So I think, I think I got back at like around 3.30, but then I had so much more stuff to do when I got back that it was a late night, early morning, however you want to phrase it, but hey, you roll with the punches, you know, when you get to this time of year, usually you're doing double duty anyway, so survive in advance more or less, right? There are worse jobs you could have. There, Absolutely. <laughs> there are way worse jobs you could have. But, it, but that is a grind of a day. I remember you telling me before the Bruins game started, which was like the first 1% of your day, um, yeah. you were like, yeah, I have my coffee orders all in line. I know when I'm getting them where. Because you're a huge for, – for listeners who somehow don't know this, Connor Ryan should be an ambassador to Duncan's. I mean, just <laughs> – we're still in negotiations. Hopefully we get a new sponsorship deal down the road, but it's in progress. But um, thankfully I didn't have to, you know, write too much after the Bruins game because really there was not too much to draw from because it was a pretty overall miserable day. So, Yeah, there wasn't. Um, 
the funny thing is, if you had a podcast like this, your sponsor would probably be Dunks, if I had to take a guess at that. I think that'd probably be your ideal one. The one you're probably most qualified to speak about, it'd be Dunks. Um, so let's get right into the Bruins talk. So we're actually going to start uh, not talking Patriots, but a lot of this is based off the Patriots loss, because I think there's a lot that you can kind of connect the dots with the Bruins with. Um, and we'll start here. Patriots lose uh, Saturday night, and everyone says, uh, is this Tom Brady's final game in Foxborough? Is it his final game in the NFL? Who knows? Uh, he's 42-year-old quarterback. Funny, 42 years old is a weird age because the Bruins have a 42-year-old legend, we'll say. Because superstar, he's not really a superstar anymore, but legend in Zidane Chara. Fun fact, Chara is actually older than Brady by, uh, I think, like six months. March and July. That's four months, but whatever. Or, no, Brady's <laughs> August. So it's five months. I, we're yeah, not going to do we're, math. We're not. We're not. We're not paid to do math here. We're not paid to do math. So we're, we're gonna. We're gonna pretend that I didn't just flub up those numbers. But Char is older, and he's on a one-year deal. And but he doesn't look bad. He looks. He's looked all right. He's been fine. I would say fine is the word to describe Zeno Char best for his role on this team. Connor Ryan. How long does Zeno Chara have with the Bruins? Uh, I, I think from the Bruins' perspective, I think more or less they're putting the ball on his court as to when, you know, he wants to eventually kind of hang it up because uh, it seems like as long as he kind of keeps on wanting to play, I think you could still see them doing this situation where, you know, either tail end of the year or going into the off season, whether it's, you know, a one-year deal, something like that. Um, because I think if you look at, you know, what he brings, obviously he's not the, you know, the perennial Norris Trophy candidate that he was in years past, but, I think when you look at his role and how the whole decor kind of situation is, you know, they've been able to adjust and kind of, you know, change his role. So he's more of a, just a defensive kind of shutdown presence. You know, they've had obviously Krug, but McAvoy, Grizzly, these other guys who are getting those ozone kind of stats that they can really kind of excel in that situation. Whereas, you know, Chari, you don't want, really want him, you know, on the, a power play unit or, you know, getting 60, you know, 65% of ozone stats. Like they really kind of, not getting the best out of what you can from that situation. But look at Chara this year. I mean, he's still – conditioning's still great. Um, when he, Especially when you have him put in that kind of that shutdown role, whether obviously it's on the PK where he's still, you know, a great weapon. But you look even during five-on-five play, when they put him with uh, Brennan Carlo, especially when guys have been injured, they really haven't had to worry too much about whoever they kind of matched up against during those situations. Like – It'd be curious to see once they have all these healthy bodies back and they want to switch things around, whether they might take a longer look at that. Because you've kind of seen when they put, you know, Charlie McAvoy, who they're still trying to get into a little bit of a groove offensively, um, whether they might, you know, do an extended look where he's with Krug and getting those, you know, ozone stats and putting Kyle with with Chara and seeing what kind of comes of it. Because I think the Bruins have only let up, I think, two five-on-five goals this whole year. When Chara and uh, Kyle open on the ice together, like this, Chara's still a very, very good shutdown, uh, you know, top pairing guy. He's put in that role. Um, so I think, you know, from Bruce's perspective, I think, you know, as long as he still wants to play, they'll still keep him back. They'll still, you know, keep on having him back. Um, but it's all kind of going to be up to, I think, his discretion and whether he wants to, you know, eventually hang it up. Because, I mean, I think he can still be, you know, a, a suitable, you know, impact player in terms of what he brings defensively for at least another couple of years, but really want to keep on putting through the grind of, 
you know, the year in preparation and, you know, the beating he takes during the regular season and postseason. I mean, it wouldn't have come as much of a surprise last year if they win that game seven, considering all the stuff he went through with playing with a broken jaw, then he reevaluates the situation. Like, I'm sure, you know, coming back and doing something like that, you know, losing that game gives you a lot of that fire to come back. But, you know, I think it all kind of depends on how this year ends and how he views how he played kind of during down the stretch and stuff like that. So I think from the Bruins' perspective, it's kind of just, you know, putting the ball in his court and seeing what kind of comes of it. I think if he, if the Bruins had won game seven last year, I think a bigger story would have been Will Char decide to hang them up, go out on top, go out as a, as a Stanley Cup champ. Um, he's only making two million this year. They, they, they're doing the one year deal things with him and just sort of free, you know, going year by year, as you said. Um, my guess would be if he came back next year, it would be just under two million. Maybe they just redo two million again. I mean, I, he's been worth it. It's not like this guy's taken up a ton of your salary cap. Yeah. And, you know, he's a huge presence in the locker room. As you said, you had a piece about this a few weeks ago, uh, the uh, impact of Char and Carl out there together, five on five. I mean, they just completely shut the other opponent down. Um, and he's been fine. He's been great. He actually offensively has one less point than he did all of last year currently. Yeah. Now, granted, we don't value Char off points anymore. That's not a thing we right. do because – that's not his job. You know, Tory guys like Tory Krug and Charlie McAvoy, we, we, we do a little bit more of with that, but with Chara, he's been great. You know, he's yeah, been really I mean, solid. And I think you also have to pay, take into account that, you know, he suffered that, that knee injury last year. I think it was in November that he eventually came back from, but situation like that where it's a, a knee injury where I forget whether it was the MCL or it was some ligament obviously in his knee and he came back, but you have to wonder how much that hindered him in terms of, you see him just being a little bit more active, especially, you know, when he has the puck on his stick and the ozone, stuff like that. Like, he's still, you know, like an impact player. And when he has the puck on his stick, aside from that shot, you're just seeing him being more comfortable with the puck. And, again, he's not going to win many, like, foot races at, you know, his age and his size. But, like, he's still a guy who can do quite a bit, you know, whether it's in the ozone or, obviously, what he brings on the blue line. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's look, he's not going to win many foot races at this age. But one thing he has that – doesn't go away with age is his reach. And that's part of what makes him so effective on the penalty kill. The other thing with Char that I think a lot of people don't take into consideration is there's a, there's a crowd out there that hates Dano Chara. I have a friend who during games will text me when Chara messes up. It's consistent. It is the most annoying thing. Um, but here's the thing nobody considers. Who would replace Chara when he goes? Now, there's guys that can come up and be a sixth defenseman or whatever. And it's, you know, you can move guys around, but they're lacking size on that left side already. Okay. So let's say you bring up an Arhovac and Ida. He's not going to immediately step in and be an effective NHL defenseman. He hasn't shown real signs of that yet. You know, you're not going to be Zidane Chara. Granted, you have Carlo, you have Brandon Carlo, who will probably be that next shutdown guy but you don't really have anybody that can match Char's impact on the ice. And I don't know if you can really go out and get that because you also have to take into consideration the locker room as well as a leader. So the people who want to ship Char out, the people who are saying retire, retire, retire. Why? There's no, there doesn't seem to be anybody that can just come in and take his place. And obviously you can't like when Bergeron goes, there's nobody that's going to be able to replace what Patrice Bergeron does, but there's nobody that even seems close to replacing what Chara is, you know, whether you go out and get him or whether you bring him up from Providence. I just don't really see the replacement. 
yeah, no, there's no kind of replacement for what he brings. And I think if you're the Bruins, you know, it's something. I think it's a, probably a reality that I'm sure they're well aware of. You know, you're not going to bring in another guy who's, you know, seven feet on on skates when he's out there. You're <laughs> not going to have that presence. And I think you just have to look at what they bring. And I think it's all about kind of shifting, you know, their, you know, mentality or their structure on, you know, how are they adjust to the way the NHL is now where it's quicker and, you know, faster pace. So, you you know bring Kahlo up to kind of be that bigger body that that top pairing guy which I think he has the the means to do and he's again once again taken big steps forward this year um you know he's he's shown a little bit more of a snarl in his game a little bit I don't think he's going to be this guy that you know people are afraid of but you're seeing him get a little bit more involved physically um so obviously a good step for a guy like him who could I think really be a a big difference maker once he gets to the the playoffs I mean he was probably one of their better players for the entire run last year but He's a guy who, you know, keeps on growing his game, can kind of be kind of like what, like Pareko was to the Blues, like last year, like just a big body that, you know, can impact the game, uh, you know, whenever he's over the ice. Um, but I think for them, it's, you know, just kind of finding, you know, shifting how their overall scheme is. I mean, you have Matt Grizzlick, who they task with, you know, 20 minutes a night when they have some of these other guys out. He's not a, a guy who is a prototypical defenseman, but he uses his speed and his, you know, IQ to, you know, get the puck out of the, out of the D zone. And, you know, they, they find ways to get roles for these guys. So, you know, Urkel, Urkel nine is the next guy up who is probably what the situation would be. You know, I think it's more or less just shifting it into, you know, maybe you have him start of the third D pairing and, you know, bring, you know, McAvoy and Grizzly together, or you put, you know, McAvoy with Kahlo again. Like they, there's so many ways if once Chara eventually retires that they can kind of, play with those lines with those combinations and seeing kind of what is the best fit and I don't really know the definitive answer yet in terms of you know who's kind of in the best spot because you could make the case that you know McAvoy's better with an offensive you know minded guy or see how he is with a guy like Carlo or something like that but I don't think there's anything set in stone but I think regardless I mean they're going to lose they're going to miss quite a bit when Char is gone just about how they kind of adapt and kind of you know whoever that next guy is whether it's you know probably Zach and I and how he kind of fits into the role because, I mean, there's obviously going to be big escapes to fill once Chara uh, obviously eventually retires. Well, I mean, if we need a big body, if the Bruins need a big body in the back end, John Scott's probably available. I mean, you can get John yeah. Scott in here, six foot eight, get him on skates, get him back there. No, but the thing is, you know, they'll find a way to work around his retirement when it comes. I think he plays one more year. I think he plays next year, and then I think he hangs him up at, you know, 44 because he turns 43 in March. So Mm -hmm. 44, I think will be the cap on that. And when he goes, I don't think they'll plummet to the bottom of the standings. I don't think they'll fall out of the playoff race, or at least that won't be the reason why. Um, I mean, they'll find out, as you said, they'll finagle away. Um, Speaking of not falling out of the playoff race, New England Patriots. So this is another Patriots draw. We're going to play this game where we draw from the Patriots loss. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to get off the coattails of the Patriots this week. Um, Patriots, are out and they're headed for an off season of complete uncertainty. Does Tom Brady come back? What about the defense? What about now we're hearing Belichick, Greg Bedard, your boss reported, I think this morning that Bill Belichick talked to another owner. If I'm not mistaken, I heard that on the radio today. So I hope that's correct. <laughs> hope I'm not out here with some fake news. Um, but with the Patriots gone with the Red Sox looking at a bridge year and potentially trading Mookie Betts, with the Celtics being really good, but in a incredibly, incredibly contested Eastern Conference and the West being as good as it is with the Lakers and the Clippers and, you know, the East, you have the Bucks and the Sixers. 
The Bruins right now are the team that is probably most likely to bring the city its next championship. Now, if we did that a decade ago, I mean, whenever we do this, we're always surprised by somebody who comes in and wins a championship. Right. The Bruins were actually that team the past decade. Nobody predicted that they'd be the next team. Everyone thought it'd be the Celtics. They weren't. Mm-hmm. But the Bruins seem to be the next team up for a championship, not with the way that their team is constructed. I mean, they're, you know, I know the Lightning and the Leafs are kind of catching up quickly, but they're still well in that first spot. You know, even as tough as this stretch has been, they're still finding ways to get points. Unfortunately, we have to sit through those overtime shootouts. But they seem like they're the next group to win the championship. Yeah, no, I think uh, I'd probably say that's accurate. I think, you know, the Celtics are maybe a little bit of a step step down, but I don't think really by too much. I mean, you look at, obviously, the landscape of the NBA kind of shifted a little bit this year in terms of you don't have, like, kind of the Warriors looming over everyone. And granted, you still have these kind of stupid teams like, you know, the Lakers now and the Clippers. But I think, you know, the way the Celtics are, you know, you know, the way they're kind of built and how – I think the biggest thing with them is going to be, you know, their size and how a guy like Daniel Tice would do. And they're actually fitting in pretty well the way the kind of the small ball – and basketball has kind of been this year. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Celtics were on this, this run, kind of like what it was two years ago, where they were a game away from going to the NBA Finals. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all, just on the, the talent they have, how it seems to keep on getting better and better as the year goes on. So I wouldn't write off the Celtics, but this is also not a Celtics podcast, so I, I, won't, I won't back too much poetic on <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be like, this is a Bruins podcast, Connor. Let's <laughs> yeah. keep it Bruins centric. Uh, but, but obviously, you know, um, I think probably the Bruins still the favorite out of, you know, all the teams, as you said, to make a legitimate, you know, title run. And again, once you get to the the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's a complete crapshoot. I mean, as we saw last year of how I think everyone kind of sized up how the Bruins are playing and expected, you know, second round exit against Tampa Bay and that went out the door real quick. So, um, but I think if you look at just on paper and potential and, you know, what, how key that veteran core is for the Bruins who have been through it before, how much guys like McAvoy and um, Kyler and all these younger guys gained from that playoff run last year. Um, and again, as you said, Toronto and Tampa Bay are gaining steam, obviously, which you have to be concerned about, but Bruins still have the lead right now in the Atlantic. They're still collecting points. You imagine once some of this five on five scoring kind of gets back to, you know, I don't think it's going to be the way it was back in November when like their numbers were, way above like what they were projected to, you know, they, they were way above, you know, the mean in terms of expected goals and five on five production. So it's kind of regressing very hard to the mean of the last month, which is why they, their offense kind of dried up lately. But um, I think especially if the Bruins are active at the deadline or, you know, they bring in a guy from Providence, like, you know, people are clamoring for Sadika now or something like that. Like they still have moves to make, like they can't go into the playoffs with this team the way it is you know, with so many kind of gears that aren't turning right now and expect to get back to where they were last year. But I think you look at their potential, especially kind of the landscape of the NHL. I could see them. I mean, I had a prediction. I had a prediction post come out this weekend where I had them beating the Blues in the Stanley Cup final again, pending. Like they made some like off They made some like moves in the middle of the year. Like they, they won't get that far if these guys aren't all pulling their weight again. But I still think, you know, you look at the, the pedigree of this team, the experience, potential, um, coaching, all that stuff. They all have the right ingredients to go on another deep run. It's just, again, how the how the pieces kind of fall in place once you get to the playoffs, which is anyone's guess. 
How the turntables. No, the other the other thing is, you know, they're playing with the fire under their ass from from the game seven loss in the cup last year. So obviously that's a huge thing uh for them. Also, I want to shout out another Boston team that uh is making a legit run to the championship. The Boston Pride are seventeen Absolutely. and 0. so there's a team we gotta we gotta shout out there because they're seventeen and zero, and they could be the the undefeated team that Boston finally gets, uh, exactly. which would be, which would be amazing. Um, but, uh, back on the Bruins, uh, you mentioned this team not going far as constructed. Completely agree. Completely agree. I wrote this after Saturday's loss against the Oilers. They need to add scoring. They need something to solidify those top nine because I think Saturday's game, the 4-1 loss to the Oilers, now, I know some of you were not paying attention because the Patriots were on later, and who knows, maybe you didn't want two losses in one day. But there seems to be a disagreement a, a disagreement in ways. You know, you have Cassidy who gets very antsy with his lines. He changes them up very quickly. And you have guys like Coyle. And, Ca- by the way, Cassidy expects, you know, production. You know, he expects Coyle to produce going to the second line, going next to Marshawn and Bergeron on the first line. And then you have guys like Coyle and others who are better with stability. We saw that last year, especially that's the main thing with Coyle, needs stability. He was stable in the playoffs last year. He had like nine goals, uh, you know, a bunch of assists. He was very productive with Johansson and Heinen on his left and his right. This year he's be, kind of being tossed around. The production isn't all there, so to speak. Um, and you have a coach who keeps kind of putting him around. They need, they need somebody to put on Krejci's right side. So then, this is my opinion, you have Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak on the top line. Mm-hmm. Second line, you have DeBrus, Krejci, and whoever they add. And then the third line can be Bjork, Heinen, and Coyle. And, and barring injuries, that's not a bad top nine. Um, the other thing you have to take into account is DeBrusque and Krejci right now are sort of starting to dry up. Bruce Cassidy was asked about that, and he basically said, yeah, they're, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing right now. Um, Connor Ryan, if you're the GM of the Boston Bruins, what are you doing right now to get this scoring going? Because 10 goals in the past five games is not great. They, the, the goaltending they faced in the past five games hasn't been great either. They faced Elvis Merzlikens. I finally figured out how to say that name. They faced Linus Omar twice. They had Mike Smith, who's notoriously terrible at TD Garden. They put 21 shots on him in that third period, and they got no goals. What do the Bruins need to do? Uh, I mean, I think they have to look on the outside, you know, the trade market for, you know, some some outside help because, as you said, I think consistency kind of plays a big role in it. And, uh, I mean, I, you go back to training camp and even in the off season when they talked about really, you know, getting that role for Coil, and they've more or less said that, you know, third-line center is where they want to put him and where I think – he likes to know where he's going to be playing. He doesn't like to get jostled around, which you've seen even when he had that kind of strong start when they put him up on the second line winning this year, it's kind of fallen off a little bit recently. You're not seeing as much of an impact as you were kind of in the, the first couple of tries where you're like, all right, they, maybe they have something here. We can mess around. We can look at, you know, uh, see if like Corrali could fit into the third line center or like Sydney or something like that. But I think in terms of, you know, solving all those vacancies, I think what you have to do is, Keep Coyle at third line center. Like you're hearing a lot of people talk about bringing up Jeff Sidnika, which right, Jeff Sidnika has been playing great down in Providence, and he could probably be a nice shot in the arm, especially right now where the team's really kind of lagging on five on five. But when you look at this Bruins team and the way they're built and the window they have to really contend, I find it hard to believe that you know 
for as much as they went into last year, really upgrading that bottom six by getting Coyle as their third line center, Johansson as the third line winger. I can't see him going to the playoffs again with a 20 year old Jackson Nika. Like maybe he's, maybe he's like a point per game guy, uh, you know, in the NHL and that changes everything. But even if he's a guy who, uh, you know, has like 21 points in like 38 NHL games, something like that, where he's a productive player. I still don't know if you want to roll into a playoff with a guy like him who still needs to, you know, put on a lot of weight to, to, you know, make it up in the NHL. Like you expect him to go into a, a playoff series with, Washington, St. Louis, you know, seven game series with a guy like him. Like, again, he's a very talented player, but I still think he needs a, a year to kind of be given the keys to, uh, to a spot like that, a spot that's so crucial. I mean, you saw how key that third line was, especially against uh, Columbus, that Carolina series, that third line really went off too. Um, so I think they really need someone there to, to solidify that group. And I think Coyle is the guy to do it. And I think you just have to go look for outside help and you know it, it's going to be tough based on the way the salary cap constraints kind of are um with the team but i still think you have to clear up that money some way maybe you give up a little bit more to a to a team to a, you know let them eat up some of that cash so you're not really hurting as bad from it but um whether it's you know the, the same guys everyone mentions like Toffoli or Palmieri, Kreider, any of these guys i think you just need someone that you can plug in there and have it not be a problem you know like and I think if you have a guy like that to Krejci's right, then it opens up so many more options that, all right, if the Brusque is struggling a little bit, maybe you can swip, swap him and Bjork for, you know, a couple of games or something like that. But you just need like a, an established NHLer to that right that you don't have to worry about. You know, the, there's always a the talk about putting Pasternak down there. I still, I would imagine if that, you know, considering how much the five on five has struggled the last couple of years, Cassie would have done that already by now. Like we've seen him do it in game, but like you haven't seen like a five, six game stretch where they've consistently, you know, started Pasternak down there, bring up, you know, Heinen or, or, or Bjork or something like that. Like I think they want to, they don't want to touch that first line. So it's going to be the onus is finding how to get a second line rolling. I think you need, you know, a, a bona fide 20, 25, 30 goal scorer over there to solidify it. So. Again, it's not going to be easy based on where the salary cap is, but I think that's what they have to do. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, if they go out and get a guy like a Toffoli or Kreider, you could put him with Marshawn and Bergeron if you wanted to and move Pasternak down to with Preach yeah. and DeBrusque if you really wanted to, you know, go all out. I mean, you have the rest of the season. Why not try it? But, yeah, I just – I think that the scoring has dried up for right now and the, 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 the main takeaway I've had from the past couple games and this whole stretch really – is they just need another score because you just need to balance the lines. Right now, you just have all these guys after the top line who you're trying to fit in certain places, and it's not working because you can't find a consistent spot because you keep jumbling them around because they can't keep they, they haven't been scoring. That's a lot mm-hmm. of different things right there, but it's been what's happening. That's and pretty I much what's the case, though. It's the case, and I think, like you know, I keep going back to the Saturday game because I think it was a really important game. In the grand scheme of things, even though it was on, you know, not set up to be an important game, it was a four to one loss to the Oilers. But in that third period, you get 21 shots, no goals. They had eight line, different line combinations throughout the game. They, they generated one goal. It was a power play goal from Pashnak who tipped off the other team and went over Smith. The, the scoring isn't there right now. And that's, you know, if this happens in April and May, God help you. And as you said, with Stadnika, especially you roll into the playoffs. 
with Stadnika as, you know, a third line right winger or a you know, second line right winger, so to speak. Washington's going to shut him down in two seconds. He's 20 years old. You have to think that that's a better possibility of that happening than them shutting down a guy like a Toffoli who's, you know, battle tested and playoff tested um, and all that stuff. So you got to go out and get somebody. You've got to go out and get somebody. Um, and the t- the clock is ticking. It's January now. Um, so something seems to, you know, has to happen. Speaking of people going to other places though, Ilya Kovalchuk, now a Montreal Canadian. I think you had the best tweet on it uh, with the classic Claude video with the cannot compute when Ilya yeah. Kovalchuk does not skate back to his own end of the ice. Uh, that is something that I am so excited to watch happen. Uh, and they need a center. They've needed a center for ever, and that's just never going to happen. Um, yeah. does, do we know if Ilya Kovalchuk can speak French? That I do not know. He can actually speak English pretty well. I mean, obviously he's been here for so so long. I think he's kind of mastered it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at the fit on that team, I mean, that team's been so decimated with injuries that it, it makes sense. It's just – it remains to be seen how much he's going to bring to a, a team like that where he's got so many kind of warts to his game now. And you saw him practicing today. I think he was on that top power play unit. So, you know, if he's going to be the guy who's going to hang around, you know, the left circle, wait for, for one-timers, <laughs> I mean, it work. I mean, but, like, they, they need at least someone out there to kind of, you know, carry that scoring scoring weight since they've lost so many guys. But – I still don't think it ends particularly well. I mean, you saw after he left the Kings, he wanted to hold out for a contender, and he went to the Canadiens, who are destined with injuries and, you know, struggling to make the playoffs. So I can't see it working out. But uh, you know what's going to happen, though? I'm going to say it is he's going to have, like, two goals in his first game, but then, like, not score for another, like, two weeks. Like, that's how it's going to work. But See, I was going to uh, say, I can't wait till he scores. Like, the you know, when the Bruins and the Canadiens somehow play each other in the playoffs this year, when he scores the game-winning goal in overtime – to get the Canadians past the Bruins. He, that could be his only goal all year. And we mm-hmm. will hear the Bruins should have went for Kovalchuk. That should have happened. And, and, and it's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. For 700,000, I suppose that, that'd be a pretty good deal if it bounces the Bruins out. So the money well spent for, for Montreal. Yeah. I, I just, I could totally see that happening. Uh, Connor, thank you so much for joining. Uh, before you go, I ask you this every time and I will ask you it until the end of time. Uh, is there anything that you would like to plug before I let you go? Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. Work on a few kind of longer term things where it's the kind of the dog days of the, uh, the winter, I guess for the NHL season. But now that we're, you know, turning into obviously the Bruins playoffs kind of leads slipping a little bit. You got obviously trade rumors even stuff picking up now. So there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff to unpack going forward all the way until the spring. So, um, but if you want to follow me, you know, follow along with my stuff, uh, subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do that. Go to Boston Sports Journal, go to Connor's Twitter and laugh at some of his funny tweets, some of his funny videos. Um, and for CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. Yeah.